And we're hot. We are hot. Mics are hot. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to 91 Octane. I am John. I'm Randy. And today you might hear that we are again remote. We are. And I think uh, we can start with why. Mm-hmm. I think you and Lewis Hamilton were hanging out. Yeah, we were. <laughs> the, you, ah, you, you stole my <laughs> intro, but yes. So, <laughs> the weekend before Thanksgiving, I got COVID. And okay. so fortunately, um, it, the impact wasn't terribly um, dire. Yeah. A couple days of uh, fever. Um, same for the wife. Two out of three kids puked for a day, and then uh, pretty much that was it. So I'd say we dodged a bullet. Yeah. Um, or we got uh, um, some, what, what's it called? Uh, the bullet grazed us. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so- I think it's just all the balut you eat. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Are you all yoked? <laughs> yeah. But so- yeah. Then- yeah, we had to take a day off uh, we last yeah. week, uh, so we took the opportunity to put up a throwback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you told me immediately once you knew. Yes, because we had recorded on the Friday prior to me getting sick. Yeah, I got sick on Sunday. The wife was sick on Saturday. So fortunately, when we are sitting in my garage, we still keep six feet apart even though um, when we weren't wearing masks that day. Yeah, and, and we don't touch each other's mics, right? We're all right. like, we're responsible for putting our own rigs together. Yeah. And it's crazy because, and I'll say this, is we have been super precautious. When we're in like a big box store, we're wearing masks. When we're um, everywhere we go, we're, we were wearing masks. And the only exception was we went to eat outdoors at a burger joint in OC. And that's the only time we let our guard down, took off our masks to eat and sit at this uh, on the patio outside. And that is maybe where we think we could have gotten it other than a hospital visit for my kid, um, which was also fully masked the entire time. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. And so yeah, dude. Full, full precaution and we still uh, somehow got it some way. So, yeah, dude. But I'm glad. I'm glad it. You know, it wasn't that bad. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I ended up getting tested. Is you know, uh, pretty much a, probably a few days after you told me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was negative. Luckily, uh, haven't had any symptoms, so I'm good. <laughs> yes. Yep. So we're on week t- weekend number two, which means we'll take a test maybe this weekend, if not uh, middle of next week, and hopefully things will be okay. At that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm glad. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's what it's 14 days and then you're good. They changed it to 10, okay. but I've heard some people take a test on their 14th day and still show antibodies. Okay. So it's hard to say, and I don't want to waste my time and they really like jam it in your throat and then in your nose. Oh my God, dude, that sucked. Did you go to uh, the hospital? Um, yeah. Yeah, I went to I went to the hospital testing, and yeah, they're like, it's you think you're prepared for it, and they're <laughs> down in there like it's a like it's no problem, you know, and you're just like tearing up as yes. they're doing it. It's yeah. fucked. Yes, I've heard some tests are just like swabbing your mouth, and that's it, right? 
Right. And uh, CVS or like pharmacy tests, you do it yourself. So you're way more gentle with yourself, obviously. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You don't have people jackhammering your nose. Yes. Yes. But we're okay now. So hopefully things are going to be on the up and up. Yeah, man. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll 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 look out for that continued head, headline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a headline that I'm actually very excited to read to you. You better start saving now, Randy, because your baby is about to have another sibling. Uh huh. The S2000 is rumored to come back. This is almost mandatory for you. I mean, I think there's not even an option. You have to get. The new S2000. Which would mean I'd have to get rid of this one. No, no, dude. <laughs> I'm not no. a streetcar man, dude. <laughs> no, yeah, you are. You've got the prelude. You got to get rid of the prelude. Oh, interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, well, so, okay. So the rumor is, is they're going to use the Type R engine, right? Uh-huh. Um, it will say that again, and they're gonna tweak it a bit, right? Yeah, we'll see. And those engines, and and the goal is to keep the car under 3,000 pounds. So it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun car for sure. Yeah, with that kind of power in a two seater roadster chassis, lightweight, like you said, 3,000 pounds, it's definitely sexy and appealing. Um, 2024 that's 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 the the rumored year when it's going to come out 2024 yeah but the price point where where do you think the price point is going to be type bar power plant s2000 low 40s you think low 40s yeah low to mid 40s the type bar right now is at 36 i think so yeah so yeah, I'd say that's probably about right. Mid, I guess more mid forties. Yeah, and you got four years. I think you can save that up easy, dude. Sure. <laughs> There's so many other cars. I still have to buy your sloppy second ST uh, NSS, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Because but nah, damn, that's true. I mean, basically, well, if I'm buying my NSX next year, um, I mean, you're gonna need to. I think the the new S2000 would probably be a level that you should aspire to at that point. And then you buy the S2000 and I keep the NSX for, let's say, six, seven years. And then we swap. I was going to say that. (laughs) We'll just swap titles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, dude. We'll just swap titles. You take the NSX. I'll take the new S2000 for a little while. But the NSX is appreciating like crazy. It's at like 50s now. Yeah, I'm, I'm like now that I'm wanting to buy one, I'm hoping they don't appreciate, which of course that's everybody is everybody right. wants, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see I see this in like, you know, 5 years they're at like 70k. Right. You know. It's too much. It's it's some it's, some are getting chopped up. Some are getting like wide bodied, some are, you know, like and although that's nice, you know, I'm not hating on doing that. It does take value away from the NSX. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be cheaper and not wanted. So like I want a clean, fresh option. Right. Full OEM. 
it's going to cost me a ton more. Yeah, full OEM, dude. I want anything that's done in the car, I want it to be because I wanted to do it, not because I inherited it, right? Yes, right. But we'll see. I mean, it's going to be hard to find a, you know, decently priced NSX and be picky. Yeah, good luck, dude. I mean, I've been looking at them just price-wise, just out of curiosity, and it's getting way out of reach for me, the NSX is, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go into the next headline. All right. For me, the next headline is a follow-up to a previous headline where I had mentioned that they were look people were looking to race on the moon. So it turns out that the idea behind this is for the race to be done via remote control. Okay. And for the vehicles to have a secondary use because they're just going to leave it there on the moon. What that secondary use is has not been established. So it's they're probably just going to put they're probably just going to put a camera on it and call it like a research vehicle. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. That's all they're going to do like yeah. they just want to go there to race. It, it doesn't it sound like such, it kind of feels like a waste of like resources and money. I don't know. What do you it, think? It is like I mean this isn't like government um, a government project, is it? Do you know? I don't think it has to be so. private. Yeah, it's. I think it's private. I haven't seen anything speaking to either. But there aren't a lot of private companies that can put things on the moon. Yeah, just really SpaceX and, I mean, well, the Chinese just uh, went this week, right? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think you, you're probably right. Um, I mean, it's just how much, that could, that's a ton of money. Just to have a airport race. Yeah. yeah, just to say you raced on the moon, but you didn't even race on the moon. You were remote controlling a car. Right, right. On the moon. Yep. Um. I, yeah. I wonder what what it what they want to gain by that. It just doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, like, how do you? It sounds like it was two guys like sitting in a garage, smoking something, smoking something, right? Uh, high out of their minds, and they're like, "Yo, wouldn't it be cool if we could race on the moon?" And the other guy's like, yo, we're billionaires. We can make this happen. Let's do it. Right. And they made it happen. Because otherwise, I mean, there's no real purpose to this. Like I said, I, I bet you money that they're going to put cameras on there, call it a research vehicle, and that's it. Like, it's not going to be any more than that. Yeah. So it's supposed to happen uh, for actually October 2021. So we'll see next a year, uh, less than a year from now. If it really wow. happened. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they had to have started this project a long time ago. There's no way they're starting it now. And yeah, Uber. I mean, we know the technology is available, so it's not really that's not the question at this point, right? It's yeah, it's how right. they're gonna, who who can pay for it. That is especially the, one of the questions, right? But we'll see. It's definitely gonna hitch a ride on SpaceX, though. Yeah, um, for so. sure. Looking forward to it. It'll be some some type of newfangled news for us for next uh, October. Maybe we'll yeah, be it'll be like you know, fun news, fun and odd news. But mm-hmm. hopefully, it is exciting. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, the only footage you'll probably have is of the cars, of course. Right. I only have cameras on there, but uh, we'll see. All right, I'm yes. to see to find out more detail. But let's get into the next headline. At five foot nothing. Nate Robinson has postered 
many people in the NBA. He's a three-time uh, uh, dunk champion, you know, um, and he decided to box a YouTube douche by the name of Jake Paul. Yep. Um, he must be some one of the most hated people on the internet, apparently, uh, but somehow he's still popular. This guy trained for a year and knocked the lights out of Nate Robinson. Did you watch the fight, Randy? No, I only watched the Twitter uh, video of Nate Robinson getting knocked out both times. Oh, my God. So it's probably a good thing that you didn't watch it um, because it wasn't on Nate Robinson's part. There wasn't a fight. It was imagine like the worst street fight you've ever seen. Okay. And that was what Nate Robinson was trying to do. He's running up to the guy, bear hugging him, um, not really throwing any punches that are landing anywhere. Uh, I mean, nothing like no footwork whatsoever. His feet look as heavy as hell, especially it, look, it was weird for an NBA uh, basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was like almost no punches. And I don't think he landed any punches, but his punches were all like awkward haymakers. Um, and so Jake Paul would just swing him for the fences and catching him because he was leading him head first. He would go head first right into the guy. What was the weight difference? I don't think there was a big weight difference. I think it might have been like 10 pounds. I, I I don't remember exactly, but let's look it up. Um, yeah, but I don't think there was a big weight difference. They, they didn't look too different in size. Okay. And the height difference wasn't noticeable between the two of them? Yeah, it was a little noticeable. I mean, I think he's 5'8", and Jake Paul's like 6'2". Um, and Paul weighed in at 189 and Robinson went in and weighed in at 181. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were pretty much even, but I'm telling you the whole time it was Nate Robinson diving forward face first and then hugging the guy. It was a miracle who lasted as long as he did. And he didn't even last that long. What? Two rounds, right? Yeah. I mean, but it was, it's just, it should have been stopped before that. Mm. way like that's how bad the fighting was it looked like somebody who had absolutely zero training his team i don't understand what they saw at uh you know during his training because they said he was training six days a week and even if somebody only gets maybe you know six weeks of six days of training a day i mean a week you're gonna show some level of skill especially as a professional athlete right yes you've trained with fighting before like you know you can pick some stuff up as long as you're athletic and coordinated you can pick some stuff up in six weeks Mm -hmm. uh but on this case i guess it's just maybe he had too many yes men around him i don't know but he walked into a trap a full-on trap dude i was shocked when i saw him hit the floor like it was for me, it was as if I saw somebody do that in a basketball game, almost. <laughs> you're not ready for that because he's not a boxer. So you're not ready to see somebody that's not a boxer get knocked out at a professional level. Like, that was like the knockout of the year. Did you pay for this? No, I streamed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I mean, so yes, I streamed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. I wonder how much – yeah, I, I would have wanted to see what his uh, training regiment was because sparring would probably have helped get some of the um, the bad habits out. Yeah. But then, 
come fight day, uh, a lot of stuff goes out the window and you start to got, kind of go instinct mode. So that may have Yeah, been but that's why you rely on, I mean, when, when you start training, almost all your training is just repetitive motions. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one, the one, two, three, right? So you're, or you're the, just the jab, just jabbing, just jabbing for hours, right? So you build that sort of into your instincts, and then that's what you rely on when you give up when you give up on the plan. Mm-hmm. But this guy didn't even have that. Like that's the thing. Like there was no jab, there was no hook. It was just like a windmill, like swinging around and then hugging onto the guy. And the even the ref was telling him like, "Hey man, like you guys need a box. You guys need a box." And he just he never did. And then he got caught. He got caught bad. Yeah, way too easy. It looked easy mm-hmm. on Jake Paul's side. It was. It looked, uh, it looked, he made, yeah, he made it look a lot. I said in the first round, I was like, this guy, he's not going to make it. Mm. But I didn't think he was going to get knocked out like that. And I don't know that Jake Paul was holding back. Um, you can tell that, you know, he has fight experience. But I think that if he got, you know, he was talking about Conor McGregor. I think if he got in a ring with Conor McGregor, like it'd be over for that guy. Like in the first round, it's over. But he's won two fights, quote unquote, professionally. I don't know who his previous opponent was, uh, but his other, obviously, his previous opponent was one with a little experience. But I, I don't, I didn't look into that. He called uh, the second one a professional fight. He, this, the Nate Robinson fight, it's a yeah. fight. I mean, technically, it is right. It's a paid fight. So technically, it's a professional fight, and I think it was sanctioned by the WBC. Yeah, it was sanctioned in the by the California Commission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. It was a professional fight, but I mean, and Tyson said he's like, look, you know, this guy brought in millions of people back to boxing, so that's what Tyson is happy about. Um, but you know, I think it's kind of a bit of a kick to the to the to boxing right although it was it was entertaining i guess but i could go with not seeing nate robinson get knocked out again for sure how was the the were you happy with the results of the tyson um fight which was a draw i i was happy in that tyson could have destroyed roy jones jr and chose not to. Mm. Um, in that fight, it looked like Tyson was holding back. Um, like Roy Jones wasn't prepared. Like, dude, Tyson's a beast still. He still has his power. That's, mm-hmm. Like, he might not have like the same speed, but the power is there. Um, and you can tell Roy Jones was feeling that. Mm. So, I mean, Roy Jones got some combos here and there, but it was never more than like just tip it tap you know, you know, here and there getting, getting points more than doing any damage. Um, so it was cool to see two legends come back and fight. It was cool to see them both get out of the ring, you know, relatively with no harm. Mm-hmm. But it like, it would have been a little more entertaining if maybe, you know, it was like Evander Holyfield and they both just went at it. Mm. That it I didn't see them either of them explode at any point oh really it was an exhibition fight you know we knew it wasn't going to be super intense but 
I didn't expect it to be this kind of casual. It was great to see. Um, it ended up being a draw, uh, yeah. which, I mean, I think Tyson still won, but they were just trying to do, I mean, whatever. It's not a real fight, so they were trying to make it look like everything's cool for everybody. Um, they asked Roy Jones if he was going to fight again, and he kind of kind of walked back a little bit and said, oh, we'll see what my family says, and and if my family says it's cool, then then we'll think about it when we come back or whatever. But uh, But, yeah, I don't think he was prepared for Tyson. Like I said, it was cool to see two legends come back, but it was I, I would have rather seen a more intense fight. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think Tyson's not about that life anymore. He was very, very happy and in a good mood and happy about a draw. And, you know, the, before, back when he was, like, competitive fighting, he was just talking shit constantly. Right. He was a monster. He It was great. Yeah, he was a monster. Yeah, complete monster. Um, but now he's trying to avoid that image, which is good for him, you know. Um, but it has definitely brought a little more peace to his boxing. Okay. Well, hopefully there is a next one if, you know, if they desire. And maybe I'll bootleg it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pay for that one and then you bootleg it. and then we'll Oh, there you go. <laughs> that way, yeah. But anyway... Uh, let's get into our next segment, uh, which is the BMW updates. Um, I do have like a short story uh, with the E92. Um, I went to pick up a few things um, at a shopping center. We'll just leave it at a shopping center. Um, and there's almost, there's a big section of this shopping center that is uh, completely empty. Uh, so almost no cars go through that area. So I like going in through there and like doing a pull all the way to the end of the shopping center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so the, so the, the missus is with me um, and I do a pull uh, and then security guards just kind of following me after that. I'm like, ah, crap or whatever. So I park my car. I, I quickly go get my things. I come back um, and we're getting ready to go out. By that time, the security guard had gone. So as I'm leaving, there's a big, big empty spot behind the buildings that no longer have businesses in them. So I was like, I look, I turn over to the missus and I'm like, hey, do you mind if I do a couple of donuts? She's like, nah. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go into the parking lot, right? So I, I hit it, you know, kick the clutch. I'm doing a couple of donuts. As soon as I come, I've already decided I'm done at this point. And as soon as the car turns around, and I'm getting ready to point the nose out to the exit, a security guard is racing towards me, racing towards me. And he's trying on foot or in a car. Oh, in a crown Vic. In a crown Vic. Yeah. He's racing toward me. And I can tell he's trying to block the exit. That's where he's trying to get to, to cut me off. So I don't leave. So I'm like, screw this. So then I keep going. And I go through the exit and I'm coming out of the shopping center at this point. So I'm coming out into the main street and he's starting from behind me. And I'm like, please bleed a green light. Please bleed a green light. And the light at this point is still red. It switches. I take off and the security guard just turns around and goes back. And I'm like, oh my God, what an idiot, what an idiot dude. I shouldn't be, be chased by a security guard at this age. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And or you shouldn't be doing donuts during daytime. Yeah, no, I, mean, I just I got the itch, man. I couldn't, I could not resist. 
it was such a big empty space there was nobody there but i mean i should have known since i got followed already that th things were a little hot there the security was intense dude it couldn't have been more than three spins and he was already on me and like getting, you have to go around like all those buildings to get there so that's probably why it took him a little longer mm. to add me granted it's probably a little loud but yeah, that's that was uh, my run-in with the law at that point. Air quotes the law. <laughs> run to yeah. cop. I mean, afterwards you start thinking about it. It's like, what could they have done? You know? Right. Like blocking. What's you, blocking the exit? Yeah. Exam? What What is it gonna do? Like, really? Like, what What are you gonna do at this point? Like, right. you've got my tire marks back there, but what? Um. But in the moment, you're like, you know, you yeah. not doing something you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. God crap! Okay, you know, I got, I got, I gotta get out of this somehow. It's like when your parent yells at you, and you're already an adult, but you're still scared for some odd reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly. Yeah, you become a I mean, child we're, like, we're conditioned from very young age, you know, to listen to authority, right? I think mm -hmm. kind of affects you in that way. So that's exactly right. <laughs> that's funny. But anyway, that's my little E92 story. Uh huh. Uh, did make progress on the E36. Which you shared on uh, Instagram. I shared on Instagram, but even before what I shared on Instagram, um, I know it's been two weeks. So the last time we spoke, the axles were still giving me shit. And I finally was able to solve the problem. So let me list the casualties for you. <laughs> In tools? <laughs> yeah. Two pullers, two puller bolts a 23 millimeter socket, a four pound sledge, two bottles of PB blaster, two dust shields and two hubs. Um, I already had bought new hubs. So it was okay. Uh, but the, the, the puller ended up uh, bending and pulling out some of the, um, uh, you know, where the bolts go, uh, where the wheel boats bolts go. And okay. I bent the hub out a little bit. So now it's like all wonky and messed up. So I was like, man, that's crazy. And you messed up a sledgehammer? And I messed up a sledgehammer. So I was banging on, I, I had the puller on and I had the, the screw in as tight as it could go. And uh, I took, I had a four pound sledge at the time. I didn't have my fine pound yet. And I was just wailing at it. Bah, bah. The reason why I, I lost a 23 meter, millimeter socket is that I turned a 19 millimeter head into a 23 by banging it so much with this four pound sledge. Wow. I had to hammer on a uh, the 23 millimeter socket in order to be able to impact the, the thing off because mm -hmm. it was on there so tight and the axles would not come out. Um, so eventually I just put them on the ground on a block. I bought a ball peen hammer um and a five pound sledge and i just went at it i mean it might i might have been there for like 45 minutes on the first one like it's it's kind of one of those things where you don't know if there will ever be a finish line have you ever yeah. worked on something like that where you're just like there's a chance that i'm doing this for 30 minutes straight and nothing happens absolutely my i'm still gonna yeah. Oh, your ball, your what? The ball joints on the prelude. Okay. Same, same feeling and experience. 
So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where you're, you're, you're super stressed out. I was sweating bullets, dude, sweating. Like I hadn't done that much work in a really long time and I'm just going as hard as I can. Eventually you get into the groove of it, of like aiming the hammer to where you're kind of comfortable giving it all you've got. And I'm just like, God, after about 45 minutes of doing that, um, I finally saw it pop back. It popped back like a centimeter. Okay. It popped back, I sent it, popped back a centimeter. It was pretty much easy. I still had to give it some hard wax, but it was pretty easy to get it the rest of the way. Um, and I had them, prior to this, I had them soaking in PB Blaster on sitting on two sawhorses and just, just for like 72 hours, just soaking. Um, and then finally the PB Blaster broke through and came on the other side. So I was like, all right, now they're ripe and ready. They're ready to be whacked on. But, oh, man, it was, it was, that was, I don't ever, ever, ever want to have to do that again. So, but you got past your biggest hurdles thus Oh, far. dude, I ran around the house like you wouldn't believe, dude, just cheering my ass off. I was like, hell yeah, this is over, man. I finally did it. Um, after the second one, that's, that's when I was just, it wasn't even a relief. It was more like a winning a championship. Like, and here we are. It's December. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. So after that, like that really motivated me. At that point, it was like, all right, let's let's do this. So I I painted a bunch of parts, a bunch of uh, the uh, braces from the bottom. Um, I took off the whole subframe. I took everything apart individually. I ordered everything I was going to replace, and then I had the reinforcements to put in. Um, which, you know, then comes in Fitch built, who I worked with before to weld in my oil baffle, oil mm -hmm. pen baffle. Um, then I, uh, so then he came over to put on these, uh, rear trailing arm reinforcements. Um, dude, the dude was probably there maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, it was super quick, super, uh, like the cool thing about this guy is that it's like being in the shop with your friend almost like, cause he's a motorsports guy. Yeah. So talk. He's just talking shit the entire time. Um, and then he's like, you know, giving me tips on what to do. Uh, he's actually going to do my, uh, my roll bar. And oh, okay. he's going to make my roll bar. So that when I'm ready to go to a full cage, I can use the, that rear part and I don't have to remove it. He can build off of it. So cool. that yeah, that'll save me money. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, it's, I was worried about this job because it's, uh, it's really close to the gas tank, like mm -hmm. literally like an inch from the gas tank. Um, so I wasn't sure if he was going to do the job, uh, but he did it. He's like the whole time he was like, man, they, they really got you with these, uh, with these plates going right here. <laughs> so close to the gas. Um, he actually asked me, to grab a water bottle and drill a hole into the top and fill the water bottle, right? So that he that was his fire extinguisher. Oh God, you didn't have a fire extinguisher? <laughs> he did, we did, but oh, okay. he, he thought this was more effective and he's an experienced welder. So I'm not gonna question him, you know what I mean? Like he's got his methods, but yes, I did have a fire extinguisher there, very handy. And I was in the garage also in case something happened. Mm. But yeah, now, now it's done, that's the, that's probably one of the biggest obstacles for the E36 is reinforcement. At this point, it's just taking parts off, putting parts back on.
So my question now is, is, is this E36 finally going to come over to my house? I think, it, record? I think it is. I think uh, I would say um, in January, you'll see the car for sure. Okay. Okay. In January, you'll see the car. I don't know if the, like, you know, the, the bucket seat, the, all the racing stuff will be done. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the call will be roadworthy, and you will see it. Uh, and it's maybe in its final first phase stage, because I do have some, like, aesthetic things that I'm working on. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a vinyl wrap design I'm working on, but I don't know if I'll have that done in January. I might hold off on that. It's kind of one of those things that are, isn't really necessary. Yeah, for sure. Be like, if, if the budget works out okay, then we'll do it. Otherwise, not. Mm. that's where the e36 is i'm i'm you know doing a lot of work definitely a lot of prep and paint right now of parts um which is kind of slowing me down and i'm having issues with tool delivery again so i ordered this tool set right it's um special bmw tools it's a special <laughs> bmw tool it costs you know 300 from bmw there's a 150 dollar kit at like an aftermarket and of course one time a, youth only <laughs> exactly then there's a 60 dollar ebay kit right so i opted i i i checked the measurements of everything and it's the same exact kit so i was like okay i'll take my chances and i'll get the ebay kit so i bought the ebay kit and it specifically says subframe bushings and differential bushings that's what the tool is supposed to be used for i got the tool it doesn't fit my subframe bushings at all. So it's only for the differential bushings, but there's one differential bushing that attaches to the subframe. So because of that single differential bushing, they say that it's a differential and subframe tool, but there are four other fucking bushings that it <laughs> So you need a different tool for the so other. I need a different tool. So I had to order another tool. Because I'm just like, I, I'm, I'd rather just have the tools. Yeah. And then, then pay for someone to do it because it's going to cost the same amount of money. Um, so I ordered this tool. It was supposed to get shipped out on the first. And I was like, okay, I'll deal with a little delay. Now it's been delayed to ship n until the 10th. And without this tool, I can't put my rear subframe back together and my rear end back together. So now we're kind of stuck with waiting for tools to arrive at my house again. Were you going to do the clutch and flywheel also, or did you already finish that? No, I'm still doing that. I have to uh, remove the, the transmission and do the detent pins. And at the same time, I'll do the flywheel clutch and all that. Uh, and then it'll be good to go. But that's... I mean, it's heavy, but it's not difficult to do. Um, but yeah, it's the, the bushings are the stuff that's kind of stressing me out because sometimes things don't want to come out. I have two ball joints I need to pull. You mentioned your prelude ball joints. Um, sometimes those things can be a pain in the ass, like the axles. I'm hoping it's not as bad, but at, on a 160,000-mile car. Oh, and I forgot to mention, so when uh, uh, you know the welder came over, and took a look at the at the pockets that need to be welded. He's like, yo, he's like, good job on getting this done right now because you've already got two cracks, one on each side. 
already oh, shit. had yeah, I already had the uh, trailing arm pockets ripping out on me um, in a full California car, dude. This is this car has spent its life in California, Southern California, to the Carfax. So, I mean, for a car that's you know at the in the Rust Belt, this is definitely a mandatory thing you have to do, even if it's just a street car. This car that I can tell has never seen real track time. And what year is it again? 98. Okay, so same age as the Prelude. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good yeah. to do uh, due diligence. It's but it's crazy that it's already cracked, right? I mean, yes, that too. In an M car, you kind of would expect it to last a little longer, but you know, I guess it is what it is. Yes. It is what it is. So, so it'll be roadworthy in January or before then? Because I'm eager to see it driving. Um, it'll probably be dry. The problem is that I don't, if those things don't ship until the 10th, I probably won't get them until like the 15th, which gives me 15 more days until January. So I'm thinking January is when it's going to be road worthy. Got it. Uh, and then, yeah, the transmission should be done. Um, and then I can just put all those parts back together and should be good to go. Cool. Sounds exciting. Let's get into our next segment. So, um, you know, we, we, we talk about like different stages of our car lives. Um, and I started thinking about, you know, the different car enthusiasts that we were in our teens, in our twenties, and now in our thirties. Um, and I was curious, like to know, you know, from you, from your perspective, how different were each of those stages for you? Um, well, obviously there's a financial portion of that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, that plays a huge factor into your choices and your options for your, for what you buy and what you mod and what mods you choose to buy. Right. But you also window shop, right? I mean, that that's included too, right? You would window shop different styles and things that you wanted to do, even if you couldn't afford to do them, you still you know, we're searching the, the interwebs. You were, but you, um, I guess in our day, in the early days of the import scene or the tuner scene or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And being so remote from California, you are only knowledgeable in what the magazine feeds you. And what I mean by that is, is you don't know the difference between an APC taillight versus an OEM taillight. You just perceive that the aesthetics of the APC Alteza style taillights for your car will function and be perfect fit like your OEM one. You don't know. Yeah. Because the magazine, saying- yeah, they don't talk about fitment and all that other stuff. They just try to sell it to you. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you, you, so that's what you're saying. That's the type of modder you were in your teens. I totally. I mean, the first time I saw the Alteza taillights, I'm not going to, I'm going to own it, dude. I wanted a set for my car. I was always uh, vying for a pair for my first Celica. They never made it for that Celica. And then yeah. they did for my seventh gen Celica, the 2001. And I liked them, but there's, there's a lot more mods that I wanted to get to before that. And then it just, you know, then the whackness kind of kicked in on it so it, it took a while clearly yeah yeah well what that is, is it still in your 20s that you wanted 
these lines? Um, I would say so, yeah, because also the other wait, 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 wait. Do you still want them now? No, not for the S2. Well, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't mind some of like the Buddy Club, like the really fancy brand ones now. Right, yeah. I wouldn't mind them, but that's just so low on the priority. I don't do aesthetics first usually. And if yeah, I yeah. were to, it'd be bumpers or spoiler. Right, so right. My order is performance and a little bit of looks. And yeah. then, yeah, then I'll get to like ancillary. Although I did get a shift knob, but that's just. You know. <laughs> <laughs> is that the latest mod? That's, that's probably the most recent mod, but it's a Honda the... accessory um, shift knob. Meaning it's from Honda? It's from Honda. It's a Honda OEM part for the Type R, Civic Type R. So, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's there's it's the red leather um, knob. For so, it. is there not a lot of difference between your your teenage enthusiasm for cars and your twenties enthusiasm for cars? Probably not, because I probably I believe I aspired for the S two thousand when I when it came out and. Right obviously couldn't afford it at the time and here i am many years later 20 years later no not 20 years later yeah 20 years later buying the damn car that i when you <laughs> were when you, when you were in your teens and i guess in your 20s and you would have gotten the s2000 right and and let's forget about money being an obstacle um would you still have this sort of subtle low-key approach to the car or would you have been more of a like super aggressive super aggressive body kits maybe even a wide body giant wing i would never have gone wide body i don't have the heart to drill into my car um, right i will say that my celica had i always i recognized polyurethane versus fiberglass that issue early right. on so I, I i got fiberglass uh sorry polyurethane lips for uh, a polyurethane lip for my celica um, and high quality real parts, not replica parts for my right. um, at the time. So I learned um, in my early 20s to buy real because I had bad experience with rep wheels. Right. Um, so, but as far as the S2000 is concerned, I wouldn't have gone wild with it. I, I mean, a Veilside kit at the time was like the sickest thing you could buy. Right. right. And I probably like deep down like it. But I wouldn't have the balls to spend three grand on a body kit. Um, yeah, room for other mods with the three grand, you know. Hillside was cool, uh, yeah. but it was never my thing. Yeah, the S two thousand. Yeah, the S two thousand. All their designs, actually, to your point, were yeah. probably went a little too far. Um, but a lot of those JDM body kits, I I liked a lot of them. Bomex. Um, I can't even think of any, any of the other ones. I mean, Buddy Club had some for like Civics. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, it was always, I mean, and for me, it was, I, I was definitely a little more flashy in high school, I would say, in my teens. Would you have done the Fast and Furious um, paint stripe or the sticker? No, see, see that, that I never understood. I was never that person, like the stickers, because there was a guy in my high school who had an Echo, like Echo clothing brand. Logo? The Civic. Yeah, and it was just <laughs> a white car, dude. <laughs> it was a white car, dude. The, 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 the big giant Echo, I think it was a Rhino or yeah, something. Yeah, it's a Rhino. 
was like on the car, on the side of the car, like a race car decal. I didn't go to high school like that day in and day out. And I was just like, what the hell? Why? You know, like I, I, I much preferred the clean, uh, you know, lowered wheels uh, of, you know, I was more into body kits in high school. I'll say that not like the veal side stuff, a little more subtle stuff. I can't really remember a lot of those brands at this point. Like a Wings West lip kit. Yeah. No, not a lip kit. Full, full bumper. Oh, full bumpers. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't until, I think it wasn't until my, the, uh, the E36 taught me about lips, um, and how that can transform the car without having to replace the whole bumper. Mm -hmm. Um, so in my twenties, I started moving away from body kits and seeing them as unnecessary at that point and you know and then you start getting into more performance side of things once you start taking driving a little more seriously right because about prior to prioritizing those items so now you're talking about suspension and performance mods like you're talking about air functional aero you yeah. know things that uh, that can improve your car in a way so i think that's how it was for me like in my teens i was like flashy wanted to make cars look nice and kind of draw attention and then I moved away from that in my 20s when I found, when I got, became more frugal mm -hmm. in my tastes. And it became about, you know, subtle lips and just lowering the car a little bit. And then once I had that nailed down, I moved into the performance side of things and started spending way too much money on performance parts. So I think that's my kind of trajectory. That's, I think that's natural because I have a 16 year old brother in law. And I recently helped him uh, buy some uh, some rims, some Enkies for his uh, Honda Civic. Okay. The four door, um, uh -huh. four bolt. Um, so we he did a lot of shopping, and I was definitely trying to steer him away from like reps and right. fake cast things. Fortunately, there's a lot They're of tempting, photos. Man. Of, it's tempting, you know. Dude, yeah, it's yeah. like the devil, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, dude. Yeah, because you see, you see, like four thousand dollars for wheels, three thousand dollars for wheels, and then all of a sudden you can get four wheels for six hundred bucks. Hmm. Dude, even cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only buying sixteens, right. you know. Oh so, yeah. So the only way I was really able to convince him, fortunately, is there's um uh, Instagram account called Save the Wheels, which shows yeah. photos of the wheels like completely failed for the reps. Right. And that's really the only way I was able to like air quote save him from yeah. his, you know that type of a purchase. So it worked out. He bought some Enkies. Um which Enkies? PF zero ones. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, they are. He got them from yeah. a, a Miata owner. So Oh, so he got them with tires already. Well, the tires are toast, so he's got oh, okay. five tires. Do you know how uh, much he paid? He paid Six. Wow. Very, very clean. And I was, oh, I was, he wanted me to do it, the, the negotiation for him, but then right. the COVID thing happened. So he basically had to go on his own, which he is actually another bullet better. that he dodged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I probably would have fucked him over, right? <laughs> no, you would have taken them for yourself. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. They're four lugs. I, I, I'm no use. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, there's, those are nice, man. I've all, I always wanted those wheels, but they're pretty pricey. Yeah. They're brand, 
Yeah, brand new. They're twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Just the wheels. Like, that's nice. That's nice. So the, nice yeah, the guy the guy was asking seven. So I told him start at five because he's probably only gonna go a little bit lower. And then they met in the middle, which is you know whatever. He's he's learning on his and he yeah, did it on I his mean, own. That dude, that's that's a good. He got a hundred dollars off. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a negotiation. Yes. I'm so sure, I'm he, sure you got a little high from that. Yes, he did. So he's super happy. But he's already trying to shop for other stuff before he even bought the damn tires. So I'm trying I mean, to. I mean, that's him. how it is, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's good that you're trying to like pass on your wisdom, right? On he, him. It's easy to be annoyed by it, though. Too, I'll say that. Like, oh yeah. gosh, do your own damn research. But then, yeah. Oh, uh, does he come to you a lot? Uh, I would say so. Like, what uh, tire should I get? I'm like, bro, Rindy, did you fucking Rindy look? has a car podcast. He probably knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably an expert. <laughs> well, I am in his eyes, I guess. So I mean, you're twice his age. So I think right, but it's like with the to- internet being out there, it's like the least you could do is. The, your own re- a little bit of your own research. I was like, yeah, look up tires. Make sure the f- the full diameter of your wheel and tire matches your your OEM size, so that your speedometer doesn't you know, you know doesn't read wrong. You know, yeah. like that's what I just told him today. So he's learning. He's a young buck. So yeah, you gotta. Kinda- I get your point because uh, we learned it all ourselves. You know, like through forums and you know reading stuff and right reading thread after thread about random stuff and yeah you you would expect him to at least do some of that and not ask you the simple questions exactly exactly and i mean i mean i spent hours on forums back in the day i don't know about you oh i still spend hours on forums are you kidding yeah like oh dude that's like when i'm out of greg's list to look out offer up to look at when i've seen all the cars on bring a trailer then it's forums right Mm -hmm peruse of the classifieds and then start looking and like researching on different things that I want to do to the car. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, I mean forums are definitely part bookmarked on my phone always. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he's learning, but I mean I guess to answer your original question about the transition, it's definitely like fortunately with maturity and comes the knowledge of quality. Right? So right. I guess that's how I would encompass my evolution as far as like learning about the air quotes the game yeah but let's move into our next topic um which is something that you know i've coined uh shitbox trauma or uh what should we call it Eh, we'll call it shitbox trauma and uh, i think as a car guy when, as you start learning more and more about your car um, and what it does, what noises it makes, what noises it shouldn't make, sometimes you become more paranoid. And I find myself sometimes on the road and there's a car that's coming next to me, right? We're both driving next to each other. So it sounds like whatever noise is being made matches up with the speed that I'm going at also. So I'll spend like the next block or two wondering, is that my car? Is my car <laughs> doing that now? Is my car broken? Different smells. Yes. You know, different smells. All of a sudden you're like, oh, damn, is this my car? 
And I feel like the more you you get to know cars and you're working on cars, the worse that becomes. Is that am I in an exclusive club here, Randy? Or no, I would say, uh, and to kind of elaborate more on your point, you're saying that when you smell or hear a car on the road alongside you, you immediately think it's your car that's making the noises or the smell. One thousand percent. Right, and you shit a brick because you're like, I know that sm- I know that sound, and so yeah. you're, like, you're already diagnosing, and you kill the you kill the the volume, right? You mute <laughs> the radio. Yeah, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're so scared you don't want to you don't want to do it. Or that, yeah. Or you're like, yeah, I can. I'll make it home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, I'll make it home. If right. you're close enough to your house, you'll drive through anything. I mean, that's how I ruined the Rio. Um, I was probably right. two miles away from my house, uh-huh. and I was like, "It'll get me home," and that's all it got at that point. I probably could have salvaged it had I not done that. Uh, right. But yeah, dude, the, the, it's it's the, sort of this PTSD um, that you get, you know, with like burning oil or you start to have that a strange fume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so yeah it's i think if if you've owned shit boxes in your life this the you're very familiar with this feeling it, it, i would say it's almost a positive because you learn how to really fix your car or at least diagnose problems yeah or you get used to the noises or you get used to or you start understanding what you can get away with and what you can't Right, which is also bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the car also starts coming apart by itself. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll admit that I've had my sh- – I've lowered my car with the new shocks and springs for, gosh, it's been probably a year and a half, and I still haven't gotten an alignment. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So my, I'm driving <laughs> a steering wheel. <laughs> so it's cocked to the, like, to, like, what, 2 o'clock? It's probably yeah, one one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck it, you know. I mean, oh whatever. dude, an alignment's like what eighty bucks? Uh, yeah, just about. <laughs> I need a full four, so it's like a hundred something. I, oh, I'm sure the car. Wait, so when you wait, which car are you talking about? The Prelude. The Prelude. Okay, so you don't really yeah. drive it that much anymore. Right, and if I do, it's like local. Yeah. So you do drive it still? Um, when I drive, like let's say to my church to do security or something, that's a <laughs> forty mile round trip, and that's it. I, I still can't believe you don't use the S two thousand for that. I do. I switch off because that, that's oh, the so, long drive. So you flex on your church, JDM flex on the church. No, I do the night shift, so it, it's either oh, so the shit box prelude or, or yes, I'm I'm convertible top off at three in the morning. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool guy. Out and some with, other guys with sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, with a broken one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Oh, but let's wrap this up, Randy. And like we said, we're gonna wrap it up with a question from the listener. Mm-hmm. And this week, um, this question I actually have gotten a lot um, since we started, and I just never thought to include it because I never really thought it was car related. Um, but somebody recently asked me that the same question, cause they're also thinking of starting a podcast. Mm. Um, usually the questions that we get are right. 
And I mean, that's pretty easy. Um, but the questions that I got now and I'm, I have been getting is what does like a day-to-day -day look like for people that do this, right? That do podcasts. And what I mean by that is like, how do you divide up your planning? How do you do your planning? What does research look like in preparation for your episode or your next set of episodes, uh, right? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, so to answer that question, we evolved from no planning yeah. <laughs> to realizing that that was shooting from the hip led to a lot of just like boring conversation. Well, it did eventually, right? Because when you, when we started off and I think a lot of people start off this way, it's you, you understand that there's a, a interesting dynamic between two people, which is what we found with us and talking about cars. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's put it on the mics. So then we're putting it on the mics and do an episode and winging it episode after episode. And then we start realizing, okay, now we're sort of running out of stories, running things to talk about as we're like by winging it. Right. So maybe we should start planning things. Yes. That evolved into creating segments. Right. Um, so we started creating segments for the show, uh, different activities, different games, different topics. Uh, the Jarrell Report, Gatekeepers, um, you know, headline, Under the Hood, headlines started as an occasional thing. Now is in every episode uh, covering headlines thing. Um, and I think from there, it evolved to even being more strict, um, even to the point that we were writing blogs and doing some of that stuff. But that's not where our passion is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like school. Yes. Um, so we meet on Monday, mm -hmm. Mondays. Sometimes we'll meet other days out of the week if we can't meet on Mondays. And we plan the show. Yes. Um, we plan the segments. We plan, you know, the different ideas that we had or different ideas for segments. We spitball them. Um, and then uh, from there, it's up to us to do solo research. So what is, on average, I guess, what does solo research look like for you from Monday until the day of the episode? Um, just perusing news every day, which is a, a normal part of my daily surfing of the web. Yeah. And then remember, like for some reason, I don't know about you, but when I see news that piques my interest, I remember, oh, this is going to be a good topic for the podcast. Right. <laughs> so that's when I accumulate my, or I slack off and wait till Friday and read all the week's news and then just collect it like Friday morning. <laughs> yeah. but we're, then we're ready. Yeah, ready to go. yeah sometimes yeah. it is like that, right? Sometimes we do have day jobs. So sometimes your day jobs take up all your time during the week. And then like a few hours before the show, you're like, okay, I need a few headlines here. I already know what I was going to talk about here. Um, I always organize my thoughts ahead of the episode in a notepad. I don't, I can't remember to touch every point in a story, unless I do that, I'll usually skip around. Um, so that's what I'll do. I'll lay out all my headlines. I'll lay out all my stories, even the work I've done on the car. Um, and then, and build on the program we decided on on Monday and on Friday, just walk through it. And that's why we usually start with sort of a table of contents at the beginning of the show, which I think I forgot to do today. You did. <laughs> yeah, i think I, yeah this is since we're remote it's uh it's a little weird I that weird. Well, 
I was going to go into the garage just to kind of emulate it a little bit. Oh. But because I was playing Call of Duty and almost missed our start time, pretty much missed our start time, actually, um, I, I didn't. I wasn't able to prepare. So I just got up on my laptop right now. How do you prepare when we have a guest? How is that different? So when, when I, at least for me, it's, uh, it's a lot of like social media stalking right? Uh, you know, researching the person, their social media, their tendencies, things that, again, pique our interest about this person. And, you know, we're about kind of showcasing the enthusiast as well as the car. Um, so, like, try to find interesting things about them, even outside of the car world, that we can pick at and ask questions for. And then at that point, I will write out a list of sort of general questions um, that I can fall back to. But in general, I think our like sort of interview process is very fluid. I wouldn't say it's unprepared or like winging it, but it's fluid in that one question leads to an answer that leads to another question. So I don't try to stay with the questions that I've put together. How about you? Yeah, same thing. I go all the way to the beginning of any social media account I can get out of that person and try to... Um, bring like old shit back for them, which kind of excites the, the, the person being inter- the guest. Right. Because they're like, Oh, you fucking know a little bit about my past. Not just the recent shit. Right. It felt, right. It feels to them like you actually did some research, which we do, which yeah, we are for doing. sure. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's such a small task to just scroll all the way to the bottom. Of yeah. The RPG, right. So sometimes, sometimes it's, you've got people that have got thousands and thousands of pictures, but it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to research people. And if you know, there isn't a big social media presence, if there isn't, you know, a lot about this person out there, um, which is perfectly fine. You know, some people deserve to, you know, have a voice, even if they're not popular, they're starting off or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but you just kind of have a pre-interview with them. That's okay too. You know, you're not going to, you sort of ask, like I said, general questions, some of the questions I would have prepared to sort of understand the person and get to know the person a little bit, not necessarily to ask the same questions again, but to learn what new questions you might want to ask based on that first pre-interview. Right, right. The funny moments are the the, mo- the awkward moments when they bring like uh, their entourage <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. we've actually got some interesting stories of the entourage right you should tell tell an entourage story so one time somebody brought the girlfriend and no friends you all know the the one time that we had somebody who and you had to i escorted them in to use the bathroom and you were stuck talking to the girlfriend who is an awkward (laughs) That was so awkward, man. It yeah, was so awkward. It was so like I wasn't. It didn't feel like I was talking to a person. She was like Very, an anime doll. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, it's like all all the the conversation felt very rehearsed. It was very simple. It was had no depth to it. It was just kind of like. I quickly, quickly realized, okay, this isn't going to turn into anything, any conversation that I'm willing to carry at the moment. Because it also, that's one other thing I want to know. It takes energy out of you to do some of this, Um, even just talking on the mics. 
And especially when you're interviewing someone, um, you sort of feel this pressure to not let them down. Yes. Because you are also responsible as the quote unquote experts of how to drive this podcast. Um, it's your responsibility to showcase the good sides of the guests that you have on, right? And make sure that you bring that. If somebody is a little shy and you know they're not talking up, talking a lot, you need to find out how to extract a conversation out of them if they're a guest, right? In this case, she wasn't the guest. So I did not want to go through doing that. I was just like, okay, then we'll just leave it there. And we sat there in silence until you guys came back. Because <laughs> I was just, I was not about dealing with that. I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. We need to take one for the team, John. Yeah, I remember that. And then I remember the one where it was. So we had uh, the one where we got two girlfriends and and the entourage. But that was just too many people to have in one garage that we were recording. So we had to turn some of them away. We had one guy that had to desperately take a shit as soon as they got to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I stood outside on got- my bathroom door for like 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Uh, you're right. There's been some, you forget about those things, but yes. uh, but yeah, you learn things on, along the way. And uh, I feel like very confident in what we do now. I was afraid and I'm still afraid of listening to the throwback episode because I don't know how different we were then as opposed to now. Right now we're almost at 150 episodes. That was episode seven. Um, did you listen to it at all? No. Yeah, I, I'm so, the same way. Yeah. yeah I'm like, hmm, I wonder if, if things have changed. I know we introduced segments and more structure, but, but I wonder if things have changed. Let us know. Let's yeah. me up, let us know. But I think with that, that is our episode. And how would you find us, John? You can find us at 91octane.com. That is all letters, no numbers. Like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this po- podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at 91octane. And if you have any questions that you want to include on the show or you want to reach out to us, uh, info at 91octane.com. Any last words, Randy? Uh, not today. Just uh, I'm feeling good, guys. So no need to reach out. I appreciate the concern if, if you thought about it. Yeah. I'll let you guys know if things are dire. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a good night. Thanks. Bye.